0: to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series on the heart of Philippians with Adam Barnes. In today's lesson, Adam will be going through Philippians 2, 19-30, where Paul synthesizes the themes he has spent the first two chapters of Philippians establishing by using Timothy and Epaphroditus' work and lives to demonstrate a faithfulness, humility, obedience, and sacrifice Through their personification of these traits, we can make direct application in our lives as believers. Well, thanks again for joining us for our next lesson. We hope that you enjoyed it.
1: So I make this case in point because the whole first two chapters has led up to the exaltation of Jesus, the humility and exaltation of Jesus. And now really to uh, the humility and Paul's exaltation of Timothy and Epaphroditus. So he's using them as a case study. He's helping the Philippian people to make application of everything that he's taught by the example that Timothy and Epaphroditus has set. So this is our case study. So you can say, up to you to read all this, you'd say, case in point, look at Timothy and Epaphroditus. So that's why we've called it that. So what is the point then? It's important for members of the body of Christ to be faithful in ministry. It's pretty simple. As individual believers, You're likely going to have leadership opportunities or roles in the body. And you're also definitely going to have followership opportunities in the body. We've talked about it already in this class. Leadership gets a lot of emphasis. But really, to be a good follower has as much emphasis in Scripture as leadership. And that's a role that everybody can play. You all have a part to play in the body. You all have a role to follow Christ. Paul is going to say later in chapter three, observe those like yeah, join following my example. He says follow me and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. So in that way, we're following and coming underneath somebody else's way of doing things. So I love that. I love to talk about being a good follower because it's not emphasized. Anyway, regardless of your role, faithfulness is the key to unity and to success in the body. The body is most effective when it's unified around a common purpose. In the context, faithfulness is obedience, it's service, and it's sacrifice with a mindset of humility. That's what Paul's talking about in this whole chapter. And really at the end of chapter 1, we need to. So when people sacrifice for the sake of the body, hold them in high regard. Don't respect and honor a person just because they're rich or because they're powerful, good looking, athletic, a good speaker, or talented. Respect and honor those who are sacrificing for the sake of the body. That's what Paul's point is. Uh, Hold them in high regard. We've talked about this in some of our different frame of mind exercises, but you know who our culture honors and respects. Look at who makes the most money. Uh, look Look at what our athletes make. Look at what actors and actresses make. Those are the people that our culture holds in high regard, and they do it for none of the right reasons. It's because of their talents. It's because some, some people are famous for no good reason. They just are. And we hold those people in high regard, and that is a, a, a tremendous detriment to our society. And Paul turns that on its head here and says, don't do it. Hold people who are sacrificing for the sake of the body in high regard. And that's a the theme that you see through Scripture as well. But Paul uses two partners in ministry as an example of the themes that he established in early chapters and verses. Through Timothy and Epaphroditus' example, Paul reinforces the benefits of participation, fellowship, almost the same thing, perspective, unity and humility, fellowship, perseverance, and sacrifice. Up to this point in Philippians, we've seen all of those things. Would you agree? I hope so, because we're going to look at it tonight. I'm going to make you tell me exactly where those have been so far. So uh, let's look at the lesson outlining goals. We're going to look at Timothy, Paul's equal soul. He calls him his kindred spirit, but that's really a weird translation, because the word is literally a combination of the two words equal and soul, not spirit. Soul and spirit have different words in the Greek. He says, he's my equal soul. We'll see what that means. We see, we're going to see Epaphroditus' Sacrificial Service, and then we're going to see a summary, and then we're going to talk about our application. This lesson is um, really pure in terms of its point. It's not hard to get, but we miss it a lot because we're like, here's, you know, okay, here's some things, here's some facts, or here's a biography of Timothy, or here's some facts or biography of Epaphroditus, and people miss the point. When you look at this in the context, they are perfect examples of every single thing that Paul has dropped along the way. It's like Hansel and Gretel. Paul's walking through the forest dropping little breadcrumbs. Here's sacrifice, here's obedience, here's humility, here's unity. And now we're at the end, and it's all going to culminate or synthesize into this example about uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So it's really cool. Uh, So the method or the way that we're going to look at this is your participation today. we're going to look at each verse because each verse, almost every single verse in our passage today, even though it's 11 verses almost every passage has a rich application that you can make just from that verse so what I want to do is we're going to look at the verse uh, there's a little summary about it and then I want you to find what themes that Paul has established so far that that verse emulates or encapsulates and then we're going to see where you can find them so far in Philippians and then we're going to make an application off of every verse in Deuteronomy uh, a famous verse that Jesus quoted that a lot of people quoted you guys have heard it say but Jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone but by what every word that comes out of his mouth mouth, that's quoting God we feast and are nourished we feast on and nourished by the word of God Today, we're going to get into the weeds. It's like we're going to be eating chicken bones and just picking every little piece of meat off of it. Today, that's what I want to do. I want to to really get specific because it's a short passage. We have the time, and really the application is rich. It is really, really good. There are so many practical things that we can take from this. So let's look at it. Uh, We're going to start with Timothy, Paul's equal soul. So let's read this part again just about Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. Why? So that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. This is something we've seen twice already, where he's talking about these people who are selfish and ambitious. But you know of his, of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. So let's just do a quick I didn't do a frame of mind exercise so that we could do this right now. Of the themes that Paul established in the first two chapters of this lesson or this letter, not this lesson which do you see in this passage about Timothy? Participation. Yeah, I think so. This is going to be, by the way this one's going to be participation in every single one of these. What's the other word we talked about for participation? Fellowship. Yeah. Dave, did you say that? Yeah. Fellowship. That's right. Participation and fellowship. This is the Greek word koinonia. It has the idea of collaborating or being into something with one another, doing something with one another, or participating. What else do you see in this passage? Obedience. Mm-hmm. Who's obedience? Timothy. Yeah. Did you guys know that I completely whiffed on this? If you go back to chapter, if you go back to lesson one, when I established the themes, of obedience isn't enabled, it a 100 percent show that obedience is 100 percent a theme that I overlooked. What else? Don't merely look out for your own personal interests. So yeah, so selflessness was a theme. Good. I was hoping that somebody would get that one. I don't know if it's one S or two. All right. Selflessness. Any other themes that you see? Service. Yeah, sacrificial service. I don't know what? Paul. Like, I don't know him, obviously. I get the idea, though, that he might have been difficult <laughs> to be around. I don't know, maybe. hmm Timothy. Timothy Obeyed. Served with him like a child serving his father, and he was
2: like in that same note. He was in unity at least, but yes. like a child with their father. He was going in the same direction.
1: Yes. And in order to have unity, you have to have what? Humility. Say it again. Or humility. Yeah. It's humility. Humility is the key to unity. You can't have this without this. And I am saying that absolutely. Humility. Okay. That's a pretty good start. There may be more. If there are. Say it when you see it. But I'm going to keep these up on the board because as we go verse by verse, we're going to see if you can find these other places in the Okay. So, so, so for this passage, I want you to see that Paul is showing us his point and how it's to be applied. So let's see it work together as we've talked about. So first of all, think about this. Verse 19, the first one here, it says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. There's three different parties here. Who are they?
3: Paul, Timothy, and the
1: Philippians. Yes. Paul, Timothy, and the Philippians. So right away, others has to be in view. Others has to be in our mind, because there's three different entities here. So we know from lesson one... Let's just do a quick overview of Timothy. We know from lesson one that Timothy was Paul's faithful companion and he was uh, Paul's faithful mentee. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he tells Timothy, take the things you've received from me in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, take the things you, I've taught you, I've poured into you, now you take those things and pour into others. And then, of course, 2 Timothy is, is Paul's swan song. He's about to die and he knows he's about to be sacrificed. Uh, he gives Paul really or Timothy the most emotional, heartfelt, important information that he can give him in the book of Second Timothy. He's a son of Eunice and a grandson of Lois. We learn that we see in Acts sixteen that he's from Lystra and Derby. Uh, he had a good reputation. He, Paul mentions or not Paul, Luke mentions his reputation in Acts, and the Paul's going to talk about his reputation here in our passage today as well. He was Paul's trusted messenger co-author and right-hand man. This was his guy. This is who Tim. I think he trusted in the most. Uh, he was the addressee of two Pauline letters, as, as we've talked about, including his farewell letter. And then he, Paul says that he was his equal soul, his kindred spirit, just like him. Uh, he said that they were equal in soul, which has the idea of unity, has the idea of humility, because you can't have unity without humility that they were like minded they had the same goals, they were on the same mission, they were together so verse, state, verse 19 statement I put in here that Paul sends Timothy so that he may be encouraged when he gets their report back yeah, is that a pretty good synopsis or summary of this verse but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I run into your condition did I leave your things in there? Yeah. Oh, I was supposed to leave that blank there goes that idea. <laughs> there, <That>, damn it. <laughs> All right, so we can still talk about it. You guys have already said, so how is participation fellowship in this verse?
2: <clears throat> how he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. He was participating. Or is that not this? It's, it's huh? coming up.
1: Yeah, that will definitely be part of it.
0: So I don't know what's going on here. So are you saying from 19 to 20? Just 19.
1: Okay. We're gonna go verse by verse and make an application of every little passage or couple uh, of passages.
2: Well, he's with Paul at the time, so I guess that's yeah. The fellowship. He's, he's sending him to help out the
1: Philippians. Perfect. Perfect. So both of what? those both of those things, I need you guys to think about. Who's with Paul? We know that at least Timothy's with him because Paul says that I can send him. So that's one point. And the other one is that he's going to send him. He doesn't, he doesn't send him shortly. I have an idea about why Paul says this the way that he says it. We'll talk about it later. But we know that he's not going to send Timothy immediately. He's going he's to send Epaphroditus. I think, I think Paul's letting him down like easy here. I think that Paul and Timothy were celebrities. And I think that the Philippians want Timothy because he's going to really hype Epaphroditus up here in just a minute. We'll see it when we get there. Okay, but how is this humility, then?
2: Timothy's going to do what Paul wants him to do. I mean, That's exactly gonna, right. Paul says, go here. He's
1: going to go. Isn't that, isn't that weird to think about that? I mean, don't you think that in, verse, in chapter 1 when Paul talks about those people who are using words to talk bad about him, don't you think that that's probably part of what they're doing? He says, Some to be sure are preaching Christ from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. If we look at this passage in conjunction with that passage, the only people there that are serving out of love are Timothy and Epaphroditus. Because he says, There's no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. The implication is there that the people who were doing it out of love in chapter 1 were Epaphroditus and Timothy.
2: Well, it may be that there's others that the Philippians don't know that they're not Yeah, I, I guess with, so. Like, that's true. With, if I don't know somebody, I'm not going to be as concerned about him as somebody yeah. that, like Timothy, they know him, he knows them. That yeah, knows that's a him.
1: good point. That's well, a good point. Well,
2: been
0: some, too, that were with the Philippians that he was talking about in
1: the first chapter, right? Or so, them, yeah. So, when he's talking about that there's nobody else, he says that you, know, he's talking about the pra- 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 Praetorian Guard, and this, that now because they've heard the message, some of them are speaking the word of God without fear. He said of those people, he says some of them share preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. Okay. So I think that that's limited to the people who are in prison with him. Got it. Or in the area, not imprisoned prison with him, but in that area. Okay. So how is there uh, obedience is is implied? But what about encouragement? when he learns of their condition. So think about that for a second. That's There's application there for us. A healthy body cares about other people. Right? And Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy so that I, when he comes back or so that when he reports back to me, I'm going to hear of you. I'm going to hear good things of you and that's going to encourage me. Well, going to encourage them that they will be encouraged? So yeah, you're, way, you're, <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right you're way ahead of the game I don't know if you were reading ahead but that's exactly what we're going to see all of these people like I said you're ahead the Philippian people are concerned and care about Timothy they're concerned and care about Epaphroditus they concern concerned and care about Paul And you can draw those arrows to every single one of each other. All of these people, the point is, they all care about and are all concerned about each other. It goes every single way in this passage. We're going to see that just about every single one of those arrows is in these 11 verses. They all love each other, they care about each other, and they're concerned about each other. That is major, like I said, rich application for us. We don't just show up on Sundays, listen to a good word, say that I've checked the box, go home and feel good about myself for the next Sunday. We're supposed to fellowship and we're supposed to engage and we're supposed to know each other. We're supposed to know what's going on in one another's lives so that we can care about them, so that we can be concerned about them. Think about this. Think about this little weird chart as we read this. I've actually got them as blanks in every single one of them, so let's just look at it. Verse 19 demonstrates Paul's concern for the Philippians. He says, so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Verse 19 demonstrates Paul's concern to the Philippians. Number two, verse 19 demonstrates Timothy's obedience. Because we know that he's going to go. If Paul tells him to jump, Timothy can say, high?" Because he serves with him. In the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father, Timothy's humility and then Timothy's faithfulness. What I put verse one one there as a theme reference because in verse one it talks about a bond servant. What did we say that a bond servant was? Willing servant. It's a willing servant. We defined it specifically
2: someone who obeys
3: their, their response. That's
1: exactly right. That's right. Somebody who does the will of their master. That's what Timothy kind of sees Paul as his master. And he's going to obey. Now he's actually qualified in it as a bondservant of Jesus Christ not of Paul. He says Paul and Timothy bondservants of Christ Jesus. So we're going to see, not just this verse, but all throughout these verses that Timothy's obedient, he's humble, and he's faithful. And three, we're going to see the Philippians' participation in the gospel. Because it's passive, it's not direct in this verse, but is Paul going to be motivated and encouraged if he hears good about them? That's participation. So think about this as we look at this. I want you to realize this truth. There's nothing huge. Except for the fact that Epaphroditus almost dies, which I don't know, we don't know why. We don't know the factors behind that. But all of these things are low-hanging fruit. It's not anything that they're doing huge. They're they, doing,
2: yeah. They sent the Epaphroditus, so in that way, they're participating in, well, like Paul said, you're... Your, you sent him as your messenger minister and ministered my need, so that is one way that they are participating with what's Paul's doing even though they're not there and don't even know what's going on.
1: Yes, you're exactly right. That's actually one that we're gonna cover. When we get to that verse, he's gonna say that exact same, we'll use that one. And they are. They're participating because they sent a path price and they just didn't send him. What did they send him with?
2: Money and whatever other kind of some sort of provision. Bringing, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're they're participating heavily. But even in being sent, even if you look at it from Epaphroditus' standpoint, even something as simple as carrying a letter, think about the implications that that has had on history and humanity. The fact that we're standing here 2,021 years later, or maybe not, 2,000 years later, talking about something because he took a letter, that's a big deal. Something as simple as being faithful to do something that small can have an impact that affects history. I don't mean to overblow it, but it's true. It's true. So, what's the application for this verse? Care for others in the body. Check on them. Isn't that what Paul's doing? I want to hear that you. I want to hear how you're doing, so that I can be encouraged, be concerned about them. From Timothy's standpoint, we can be obedient to God and those in, in authority, humble in word and action, and faithful towards the mission. That's what's happening in this verse. They're all united around one mission and one purpose. Just like he said in verse or in chapter 2, be like-minded. He says, stand firm. Be in one in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's exactly what they're doing. Okay, verse 20 and 21, we put these together. And he says, why? He says, "Why he wanted to send Timothy back? Because I have no one else of kindred spirit or equal soul who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare." Why is the word "genuinely" important here?
2: Well, I think they would notice if they if they're not really truly concerned, but they're just going through the motions.
1: Yeah, they would, and. Uh, the other part is, has Paul dealt with people with bad motives or wrong or false motives? People who are in pretense already? He has. He's like, I've got these guys that will probably do it. These guys that are preaching Christ out of envy and strife. The things that people who are doing stuff out of selfish ambition. But he says, what then? Only oh, that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, talking about the way that these guys are doing things, about their motives. So he's saying... I don't have anybody who's genuinely going to be concerned for your welfare. Why? For they all seek after their own interests. Selfish ambition. Empty conceit. They're just doing things for their glory, not for Christ. They don't care about the mission. They only care that they're exalted. So what's the themes here? Same. It's the exact same, except I added integrity to this one. What was integrity? Integrity. What does say, doing what you say you're going to do? That, yeah, that's that's it. It's when your action meets your word. That's exactly what it is. It's doing what you say you're going to do. In this way, Timothy has integrity, and Paul knows it. Paul knows that he cares about these people and that he's concerned for them. His action meets his word. He's going to talk about his reputation here in just a minute. But there's integrity in what, in what Timothy says and does because his actions meet his words. He just got done saying... Don't do anything, uh, don't do everything without grumbling or disputing. Be above reproach so that people will think good of you, really, so that you'll be right. You'll be above reproach. And you'll be innocent and blameless. That's what he's talking about. Don't let anybody have anything against you. And Timothy's that guy. He has a good reputation. People think highly of him. Okay, so verse 20 and 21 demonstrate Timothy was Paul's equal soul. Timothy was Paul's equal soul. They were like-minded. They had the same mission. They had the same purpose. Uh, They probably agree on the best way to do things. And that's important if you want to be effective in service. Because if you do, if you agree on the best way to do things, there's no grumbling or disputing. It's going to be impossible for me to use my life example without saying names, so forgive me that when I was winning athletics, when I worked for the athletic department, I had a front row seat to Coach Gundy and Mike Holder's problems. And they all stemmed from, they both saw their way as the best way to get it from point A to point B. They were both right in their eyes based on their experience and what they were doing. They both wanted the best for Oklahoma State athletics and especially Oklahoma State football but they had different ways to go about doing that and they didn't talk it through. So there was grumbling and there was disputing and the athletic department as a whole suffered because of it, Because they weren't unified in the best way to do things. They were not kindred spirits. Uh, and I'm not saying anything that they haven't said, this is public information, but it's true. What you saw there was the opposite of what we see here. Paul and Timothy are equal soul. They see the best. They see the best way of doing things, and they're both faithful to do it. And so Paul feels comfortable saying, "I don't have anybody else to send to you that's going to care for you like I would care for you, because he's my like soul. He's going to love you the way I loved you, and he's going to do things the way I would do. Them, so I'm sending him to you, eventually." Verse right, Timothy. Verse twenty twenty one also demonstrate Timothy's concern for the Philippian people. Timothy's concern he says he's genuinely going to be concerned for you. I have no one else who, if kindred spirit who's genuinely going to be concerned for your welfare. And so that's why I put on number three. Do You guys remember the lesson? It was called Sincere Service. Paul and Timothy have a sincere concern for the Philippians' well-being. Not a fake one. They're not checking a box. They're not just reaching out to somebody because they feel like they should. They do it because they genuinely They care. They care about these people's well being and they want them to know that they care. I should have put it as a blank, but I didn't, but it's in the application. Be a Paul to somebody and be a Timothy to somebody. Find someone that you can pour into, someone that you can disciple, someone that you can teach, someone that you could say at the end of your life. The things that I've taught you in the presence of many witnesses, take those things and entrust them to other faithful people who are going to be able to teach others also. Because our mission's right. We're on point. We're on mission. And that matters. And being trained and equipped to make that message persist or so that it's perpetual, that all is dependent on us pouring that into somebody else. So be a Paul and have a Timothy. And just like we talked about roles, sometimes you're going to be a leader. Sometimes you're going to be a follower. Find a Paul. Find someone who's willing to pour into you. Find someone who's genuinely going to be care that's going to care about you. If you can, find someone who's like soul. Find someone who's equal soul. Somebody who thinks that they go about doing the way the things the same way that you would. Because in that way, then you guys can really be effective. So the oh yeah, go ahead.
2: Before you get to put me off that I, I don't think that all of those people he was talking about that when he says for they seek after their own interest and not those of Christ," I don't think everyone in that group was part of the group that was trying to cause Paul distress or proclaiming Christ with the wrong ambitions but that's what you've been talking about choosing between good and best they they were making a living or doing whatever they needed to do to get by from day to day and they their priority wasn't doing what christ wanted them to do but to make a living or support their family or you know there's not that they were doing wrong but their priorities weren't the kind of priorities that timothy and paul had and their focus with that same kind of a focus.
1: Yeah, so you think so what you're saying is that you think that when he says, I don't have anyone else of kindred or spirit who would genuinely be concerned for your welfare, what he, what you what you're saying he's saying is there's people who are doing good, but they're just not gonna be focused on other people right
2: now. Well, I don't I think it's the part where he says they're seeking after their own interests and not Christ, that whether they're Philippians have anything to do with it or not. I think there's oh, I see what you're people in Rome who who, you know, they're not focused on being disciple and making disciples, they're focused on self-interest. Yeah. They're Yeah, the I think day to day stuff. They're not necessarily doing bad, but they're not focused on furthering the the cause of Christ like what Paul is talking about. Yeah, I
1: think there's probably I think there's I think that's true. And I think that the application for that is for us in the same way. That's exactly right. What we're talking about, this is a Christian life book. Yeah. Like this is a I mean, I was guilty. I was one of those people you're talking about. And sometimes I was even the bad type to where I was doing stuff for the wrong way. But most of the time i wasn't I wasn't doing anything for any good motives at all. I was just floating along. I was just floating through life taking care of business, checking boxes yeah and so I think there's elements of truth in that I think that what you're saying is true yeah and 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 really what is the motivation then for us when you think about or not maybe not the motivation but what's the application for us if I mean that's something that you really got to identify is where are you because they're is this guy? He's a believer. Does he have eternal life? Yes. Yeah. Does, does he have God's righteousness? Yes. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, this guy is. Can this guy look like an unbeliever? Yeah. Yeah. He can. Which we see even seen in this book. If there's people doing it with the wrong motives, or even if they're doing nothing, even if they're just checking the box. Then there is what we're going to see. He calls. By the way, what is the title? What, what, is, what could this guy be called? If you're a believer, are you a son of God or a child of God? Mm-hmm. Is every believer a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, John 1.12. But as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this is a child of God. Okay. Then we're going to go to this next step. To where, really, we're going to use the word disciple. Because this implies something. What does the word disciple mean? Anybody know? Follower. Yeah, it's a follower. A lot of times, you cannot characterize a basic Christian as a follower. They believe, but they might not be following Christ. And Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple... He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So there's a lot of people who aren't doing that. They believe doesn't mean they're not true believers. Doesn't mean they haven't put their faith in Christ, but they're just not doing it. I think to your point. And then even of these people, there's leaders, which I don't want to get into because I think there's I think that there's some leaders who actually actually followers. It really gets down to what you mean by how do you define a leader, but it's a different topic for a different time. Okay, so we put on a mindset of humility and we unify around the mission of proclaiming the gospel. Does that make sense? We put on a mindset of humility and unify around the mission of proclaiming the gospel. Application. Contribute. Contribute in the body by being a Paul to someone and being a Timothy to someone. It's okay to be both a leader and a follower and to be doing it right. It is. All right, verse 22. He says, But you know of his proven worth. Timothy was a man of reputation. Paul says that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. If you were to ask somebody, what does it look like when a, what's the word you would use when a child is doing what his father tells him to? What's the word we would say? it's obedience that is a theme I can't believe I missed it he says but you know of his proven work that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father this is participation in fellowship there's humility and unity there's obedience and there's integrity in this one as well verse 22 demonstrates that Timothy had a good reputation because he applied his faith he applied his faith. Not everybody puts it into action. Have we seen a pretty important verse in this book about putting, living it and working it out? He says, work out your own salvation or work out your salvation with fear and trembling." That's obedience, remember? Just as you've always obeyed, work out your salvation. Timothy did that and he had a good reputation because of it. He had a good reputation because he applied his faith. Timothy was obedient. Timothy was obedient. What do you think the he is? Look at the first word of an application. Timothy bought in. Timothy bought into the mission and purpose. What does it mean to buy into something? Committed. Commit? I think so. In order to commit to something, let me ask you this, when you're thinking about buying into an idea, we're talking in Thursday mornings a lot about John 1 and how he's really presenting a concept. People can choose to buy into that concept or they can choose to not buy into it. We just quoted the verse in John 1.12 but he said, As many as received him to those who believed in his name, he gave life, to become children of God. Right before that, it's the opposite. The reason that that verse starts with a but is because he says Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. They didn't buy in. But, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The emphasis here is buy in. And Timothy did it. What Paul was laying down, Timothy was picking up. He's like, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I've listened to him talk about and proved many times that Jesus was the Messiah. When Paul goes back to Isaiah, I see it. When Paul goes back to Psalms, I get that. He bought into the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And that because Jesus was the Messiah, we have a part to do. We have a role to play. We have a commission to fill. And Timothy bought into that message. He bought into the mission, and he bought into the purpose. So the application is the same for us. Buy into the mission. Buy into the purpose of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say in this class a couple of times, when we talk about our purpose, what's our purpose? Application. Sure. What's our purpose as a church? It makes to make disciples. What's your purpose as an individual? Same, same. That's the same. What was Paul and Timothy's purpose? If they bought into it, we ought to buy it. When Paul talks about later, when he says, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us, their pattern was to take the gospel message to a fallen world, and then once they've believed, to train them and equip them to perpetuate the message. That's the exact same purpose, exact same mission, exact same thing that we're supposed to do. And not just Stillwater, it's not for Stillwater Bible, it's for every believer. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So, buy into the mission. Faithfully serve Jesus in obedience to his will. Like Kevin was saying, there's nothing wrong with these guys who, they, you know, they were, they're believers, but they're just living life. Isn't God's will for us to just live life? No. He says, for those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to become conformed to His image. He wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He says grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And it is kind of a chicken and an egg thing. You've you've, You've got to buy in and you've got to put it into action. And when you do, it doesn't matter which one you do first, just do it. I know people that have been successful because they started doing it and then they bought in. And I know people who were doing it effectively because they bought in and that... Manifested itself in their actions. Okay, so buy into the mission, faithfully serve, and then be a person whose actions support their words. Be a person of integrity. Like Timothy. You know of his proven worth. That he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. How cool would that be? What would the what would the book of insert your name here say? What would the book of Dave say? What would the book of Spencer say in the Bible? Would somebody say, Man, he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father? Would he say, Man, he bought in. He faithfully served. He did what he was supposed to do.
2: Uh, and I, I think in those days, especially, a child serving his father would probably learning the business he wasn't just Ooh, yeah. being a gopher you say go here and do this he goes and does it but he's well, like that. learning the business yeah. so that he can do the business
1: that fits perfectly what's our business? making disciples making disciples we're in the business of making disciples isn't that what Jesus said? the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few that's really good I'm going to steal it. Alright. Be a person of integrity. What if the book of Brent said, you know of his proven worth. You saw what he did. And wouldn't that be cool? Because in a sense, when you stand before Jesus, you're going to read the book of your name. And you're going to go over these things. And he's going to reward you for it. If someone can say, you know of Brent's proven worth. He served with me. He participated. He did it. Okay, so this gets to my point. We're not going to go over the next few verses, but I do want to mention them real quick. Why did Paul want to send Timothy after he knew how things would go with him?
0: Maybe he's thinking if I'm about to get out of jail, I'll just come my own soul.
1: I think or
0: that's. I,
1: I you're think. about to get killed. No, or either or. Timothy
0: will have to come tell you all it is. Yeah, I think,
1: it's, the, either I think it's either or, but I do think that that's very plausible. I thought about that too. Mm-hmm. Why else do you think?
2: He'll have a more full message to deliver to him about Paul's own condition if he I think so. waits until that takes place.
3: That's what, that's what I think too. Did
1: he already send Epaphroditus at this point? So, no. it came to him from Philippi.
3: No, but I mean, it says, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus.
1: So it depends on what you mean by at this point. At this point, we're assuming Paul's writing the letter. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so right. Paul's writing the letter, and he's, he's writing knowing that Epaphroditus is going to take this yeah. letter back to them. So get your shoes on and all stuff. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I think so. I think it took Paul a long time to write this because of how well it was written, but I think so. I think that's exactly what it was. All right, so let's look at Epaphroditus. He says, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. You're not getting Timothy. Maybe after I see how things go with me, you'll get Timothy. But, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. My brother, listen to, listen to this and think about how Paul hypes him up. He is juicing his resume. He says, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, who is also your messenger a minister to my need. Why? Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, not on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Summary statement. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I won't be as worried or concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy. He's telling them how to handle Epaphroditus. Receive, them, receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Why? Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to him. So Paul uses elements of his present situation like you were saying, Dave. As he's writing this letter, he's using elements of his present situation to exemplify his point. He says we're to have this mindset of Jesus' humility up at the beginning of chapter 2, and obediently serve and sacrifice. And I've got these two guys right here who are doing it. Well, and I think
2: you know who you're going to send to carry something to Paul, you might send the one who's the most expendable, the one that you can most get along without. They might not have held the paradise in that high of They trusted him with the money, but we can afford to get along without him.
1: I've thought the same thing. I actually read that in the commentary. I think there's something to that. That may be why he's juicing him up. Uh, Either way,
2: he's more than just a letter carrier.
3: Yes, that's exactly right. Are you saying you think he's exaggerating? I don't think he's exaggerated. I think I was just having the same thought to tell them to hold him in high regard. Is that because he needed to tell them that? Because naturally, they they weren't. He wasn't the type of. I mean, I don't know. But the I'll, same
1: thought came to my mind. I assume. That. I assume not. I think it's plausible, but here's my evidence for why I don't think that's the case. I think that Paul, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, what has he already talked about? In humility, there's exaltation. These guys are humble. And whether or not the Philippian people see it, Paul's going to exalt them. And this is an example to us. Because he exalts Timothy too. But these guys are humble. And we've already seen Christ's example of cross before the crown. And now everybody for all eternity who reads the book of Philippians is going to read about Epaph- Epaphroditus' deeds. Because he humbly served. Paul's exalting. I think Paul's demonstrating that one. Now, could it be both? Yeah, it could be both. It could could be that they're not exalting him, and so Paul's going to use this opportunity to do that.
2: Well, if he he was the humble kind of person that he seems to be, he might not have been somebody they would have Mm. Mm -hmm. looked at in that way. Yeah, for sure. And he's maybe just reminding them that parents just aren't always what they seem. Yeah, it could be.
1: Which is funny you say that word because his name actually means handsome. And Charlie. <laughs> the name of Pastor is... You're like, oh, there's Charlie and Hanson I don't know if he was. It's just what his name means. Um, but yeah, it could be. But I think, the, I think the theological point that Paul's making is that I, we've it, seen yeah. exaltation and humility. And just because in the context, he's wrapping it up for this exact reason. Because all of these things that we saw in chapter 1 are now being... Personified by Paul or by Timothy and Epaphroditus, I think that's the point he's making. But it very well could be, and I know that I know that most scholars probably agree with that. Well,
2: I'm not saying that ex- exclusively either. I, I'm I'm all on board with the with the using them as an example of what he's just been talking about of the humility and exaltation. I think I yeah. think that's definitely, if not the most part.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think Paul uses the word minister lightly because he calls himself a minister of the mystery, he's a, of the church. In Colossians, he calls himself, a, he's a minister of the church, of this church, of this mystery, I've been made a minister. I don't think he takes that lightly. And I think that he, he, he calls him, he's a minister to your need, or to my need. So... I also read something interesting, I didn't put it in here and I, I don't necessarily want to pull on that string to try to develop the thought. But because he was the intercessor, he was the one who took the sacrifice that he's made to be a priest, kind of a priestly role, in that he was the one who took the sacrifice from the Philippians and was the envoy to bring in the good things to come. So I don't know. It's it's I don't know. But yeah, I think that I think that there's elements of what you said that are one hundred percent true. It could be very much that the Philippians didn't regard him like they should have, and he's, he's both making the theological point and the practical point to the Philippians. Either way, it's a beautiful
3: picture. Don't you think it's, it's easy to look at Paul and Timothy and say, well, they're saying all these nice things about their relationship. But for crying out loud, these guys' names are in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You're know, like
1: <laughs> they're getting recognized. Like uh, th-
3: these guys are in the Bible. I'm not in the Bible. Yeah, and and to, and also in, in our day and age, we highly exaggerate everything mm-hmm. to the point that we. So I saw this fantastic movie. That Really, probably wouldn't enjoy.
1: It. Yeah, it's hard to get. It's hard to listen to somebody you know, describe something without using the superlative. And when you start talking about it.
3: regard one another as better than yourself, and don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And I'm thinking, how many examples of that have I seen? Right. And how well am I doing that? Yep. And that's, it, it's very frustrating.
1: Well, don't let try it be. To argue, don't don't argue. let it be. Because one of the encouragements that we get here, buddy, is that even doing something as small as carrying a letter is sacrificial. Mm-hmm. That can have a major impact. And this, this passage is supposed to encourage us not to do the huge. God doesn't require us to you know, just bang and explode with you know, Christian life and just be on fire. He doesn't require perfection. All he requires is faithfulness. And that's what's so great about both Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy was just there, man. He was present. He was faithful. He was, just, he was constant, consistent. That's stuff that is worthy of honor. It's just a matter of
3: saying, well, what does this really look like in real
1: life?
2: And I think of Ruth. She, she was just... She didn't do anything outstanding necessarily. She was faithful to her mo- mother-in-law. She what was faithful getting? to God. She just, I think, if you had to ask her if you thought she was doing anything special, she'd have said,
1: not not even close. No, nope, I just care about my mother-in-law. Well, what about when she let when laid down by that guy's feet in the middle of the night though? Had her to Take it there. Have her to Take it there. But, but buddy I'm my, kidding. my point is that you know, Jesus says that even somebody who gives somebody a cold drink of water does not lose his reward you know it doesn't take much god doesn't require you know he doesn't even require effectiveness he'll determine what's effective and what's not preach what he does what he does requires faithfulness and so just
3: just be faithful that's I may not have time to get into that, but I think that's what people get hung up sometimes with discipleship, including myself. It's almost like you've got
1: to let go of the outcome sometimes. You have to. It's not in your control. Kevin made that point earlier this this study when he said that, you know, really it's God that's going to create the thing, but he does allow us to collaborate in that ministry. And he's going to reward us for it. And um, Brent had a missionary at his house this month and we got to go speak with him and uh, Jamie told me that of all the years that this guy was in this country, he led five people to Christ. And he—how long was he there? He was like eleven years. He was there for eleven years. Some people might say that's a failure. Ask those five people in eternity if it was a failure. Yeah. Because it's not. He does not require us. He just doesn't doesn't require production. He requires faithfulness. Do the best to use what you have for his service. And that's what you'll get rewarded. He doesn't say, well done, good, and productive servant. Does he? He doesn't say, well done, good, and effective servant. We want to be productive, and we want to be effective, but we're rewarded for our faithfulness. He says, well done, good, and faithful servant. So Epaphroditus and Timothy, they're perfect examples of this. They're perfect examples. And because of it, Paul says, hold them in high regard. Why do we hold LeBron James in high regard? Why do we hold Cardi B in high regard? Why do we do that? Why is it natural for us to promote and esteem the people who are good speakers, good-looking, well-dressed, athletic, good, talented? It's natural for us to promote this. It's not ironic that Saul was the ha- most handsome Jew. It's not ironic that he was the tallest. That's what the people wanted, and God knew it. Yeah. All people. And that's why God, I think, he was, I think that's why Paul was beheaded. Level him out with the rest of the Jews. (laughs) This is what you wanted. I'm giving you what you wanted. You wanted tall, handsome. You want to look at the outward appearance or you want to look at the inward appearance? Because which one does God look at? God looks at the inward. He didn't care about the outward. Man cares about the outward. Alright. So Epaphroditus worked alongside Paul. We know that. He calls him his faithful worker. He was a message and gift carrier between Paul and the Philippians. And he was an example of the type of person worthy of respect and admiration. And then I love this. <coughs> people sometimes miss this. I believe this to be a true principle in life, even if it's not a biblical principle, which it is. Epaphratus did what other people wouldn't, couldn't, or didn't do. It's one of those things because Paul says he's making up for your deficiency. <laughs> he's doing what you guys couldn't do or wouldn't do or didn't do that's cool in life if you're the person that's willing to do what other people won't there's some there's some there for that person so let's look at verse 25 Epaphroditus he says but I thought it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier who's also your messenger and minister to my
0: need
1: Epaphroditus was a brother in Christ we've talked about what that meant if someone's a believer they're a child and if you're a child and they're a child they're your brother or sister that's where he says. Epaphroditus was my brother. He was his fellow worker. He put it into action as a disciple. And he was a fellow soldier. I think that has the idea of engaging in spiritual warfare. Maybe because he was getting sick during the work. I think Paul attributed maybe his sickness to that. I don't know. But then he said, he was also your messenger and minister to my name. Verse 25 demonstrates that Epaphroditus had many roles in the body. He had many roles. To some people, God gives one gift that you can use lots of different ways. Helps is that gift. The gift of helps is literally uh, applicable in any, any way. You can help any ministry with helps. Some people, he gives many gifts that they can only use in certain ways. Either way, it could be a leader gift. It could be a follower gift. Just be faithful to use whatever you got. Because Epaphroditus was faithful. That's the next one. Epaphroditus was faithful to live out his faith. Epaphroditus fought for his life. We know that he came close to death for the sake of the gospel. Epaphroditus fought the good fight. From this one verse, I thought it necessary to send to Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who's also your messenger and my minister. We can say, be ready and willing to serve in the body. Be ready and be willing. That may include different roles at different times. Sometimes you may be leading. This could be in your home. Everybody every adult parent is a leader in their home. Could be a Sunday school teacher, could be a teacher, could be a pastor. Be a good follower too. This could be anything. Luke. Luke. I mean I
2: always picture him as a follower. He was following around everywhere Paul went. Just writing stuff down, yeah. documenting.
1: Yeah. For you guys who don't know, Luke wrote acts. That's a big book full of history that somebody had to write down and it was him. Alright, verse 26 and 27. Part of the reason Paul sent Epaphroditus is because the Philippians heard that he was in bad shape. They heard that he was sick. But Epaphroditus missed them and he wanted them to know that he's okay. He says, because he was longing for you I was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Indeed he was sick, even to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphronis genuinely cares about the Philippians. We've already seen that they cared about him. Epaphroditus genuinely cares about the Philippians. Here's the dark side that a lot of people don't like to talk about, but it's only dark on this earth the path that suffered for the sake of the gospel. The implication of what Paul says, that he came close to death, is that that's suffering. That's a, not a theme, but it's a its a sub-theme. Because he says in verse 28, he says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you, I'll hear you're standing firm in one, a spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, for to you, it's been great not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. That's us. That's the bad, not the bad part. That is some people, something that people get discouraged by here is that it's always the cross before the crown. It's always denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. And Satan's not going to waste his time on these people. He's not gonna, They're just floating anyway. You didn't have to waste any resources there these are the people who going to go after can be scary but we know in First John it says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world we don't have to worry about that Peter says you know what even if you suffer it's just for a little while it's just for a little while because someday you're going to get exalted for it but Epaphroditus suffered for the sake of the gospel 3. Paul cares about Epaphroditus Paul cares about Epaphroditus I don't think he's just hyping him up. Buddy, to answer your question earlier, I don't think he's just hyping him up. I don't think he's exaggerating. I think he really cares about it. I think he sees something in this guy and he says, here's a guy doing it right. No. So know what other people are going through in the body. Paul wants, the Philippians know, they had heard. They had heard that Epaphroditus was sick, and now Epaphroditus is worried that they're worried about him. There's a whole bunch of care and concern going on there. You can't know what other people are going through if you don't do life with them. If you're not meeting with one another, if you're not eating with one another, if you're not gathering together, how can you know? How can you know what's going on? And even more than that, how can you feel comfortable sharing? If you're going through some stuff and you need somebody to talk to, how are you going to feel comfortable talking to somebody if you don't know them? Said it before, but that Hebrews passage is so, so rich. Let us consider how to stimulate one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. How can you encourage each other if you're not assembling together? How can you know what somebody's going through if you're never coming together with them? We're supposed to participate, we're supposed to fellowship with one another. Paul prays for those Philippians all the time. I guarantee the Philippians are praying for him and Epaphroditus and Timothy. That's a theme in this book, and it's not ironic that it's there. Where are we? <laughs> all right. We're at 28, 29, 30. Okay, here we go. Paul knows when the Philippians see Epaphroditus that they're going to rejoice because they care and they're concerned about him, which will relieve his stress about them. He knows they're worried about him he did not want to worry about it anymore Paul touts Epaphroditus' reputation and deeds so that the Philippians would hold him in high regard they would respect him, they would honor him he says therefore I sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again you will rejoice and I might be less concerned about you receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me it's not a condemnation. He's just stating a fact.
2: Well, that first verse might also be evidence that they held him in pretty high regard to begin with. If they're going to rejoice when they yep. see him again, yeah,
1: I think so. I mean, if they, if they, I think they're waiting for him. I think they're concerned about him. I think they are. I think they. I think they. I think, they, I think that he was already one of those guys for them, but it could be. So, verse 28, 29, and 30 demonstrate the Philippians genuinely care about Epaphrodite the point. They're going to rejoice. Paul knows they're worried about him and he wants that he wants to hit the pressure relief valve on that so that he's not worried about it and they're not worried about right? it everybody's happy because everybody's alive. <laughs> That's kind of what he's saying. So the Philippians genuinely care about Epaphroditus. Verse 20, 29, 30 demonstrate that Epaphroditus risked his life to serve Jesus Christ. The implication here is by Paul saying that he risked his life is that he did it knowingly. Whatever Epaphroditus was doing, I think he knew he was rolling the dice. I don't know how, and I don't know why, but Paul says that he risked his life. That has the implication that he knew what he was doing before he did it. Not just that, I'm going to go do this, la, 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 and then something happens. That's not risking your life. I think Epaphroditus rolled the dice because he didn't care I think he was that faithful three people who faithfully serve are worthy of respect and honor did you guys know that this is in scripture other places too did you guys know that you're supposed to hold in high regard those who faithfully serve in the body this isn't just the Philippians principle this is in scripture I should have put the proof text because I don't have it. I, I think, think one is first Thessalonians.
2: It's, I was gonna say I know
1: well. I know it's in Thessalonians, yeah. Yeah. So application? Respect and honor those who faithfully serve Jesus Christ. Is that an appropriate application of this passage? Hold them in high regard. And I want you to focus on that first word. Appropriate appropriately respect and honor those who faithfully serve. Don't idolize them. Don't pedestalize them. You can use them as an example. You can do what they do. You can hold them in high regard that they are not your God. They are not your be-all, end-all. Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Word of God, that's your be-all, end-all. Now honor and respect those who faithfully give that to you. And you should. But do it appropriately. I say that because in my childhood I came up in a church where the pastor got away with everything because he was the congregation's God. And that's not appropriate.
2: and so the Corinthians kind of had inappropriate Apollos and did this they right. had that. And yeah, that's a good point kind of carried things a little
1: too far. Yeah. They got into fights. They got into grumbling and disputing about their leadership and about who was teaching. <coughs> Some people said I'm under the teaching of Apollo, Some people said I'm under the teaching of Paul. That's not appropriate. Paul says the foundation is Jesus. But if we want to culturalize what we believe then we need to hold in high regard the people who are doing it right. Those are the people we need to respect. Those are the people we need to esteem. Not athletes, not actors and actresses, not politicians. It's okay okay to identify with the people who are doing it right. But don't teach your kids about them. Teach your kids about Paul. Teach your kids about Timothy. Teach your kids about Epaphroditus. Those should be the heroes. Hold them in high regard and esteem them because they humbly serve. They sacrificially, as he says, he came close to death for the sake of Christ. That's what we got to do. we got to stop putting all this other garbage in front of them and saying this should be your hero. All right, summary. Timothy and Epaphroditus is faithfully... I don't know what I was going for here, but it's obviously not thought out. Timothy and Epaphroditus... Faithfully participated in the gospel message. They are examples of humble and obedient people who faithfully sacrificed for the body. Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and the Philippian people all desired to know of one another's condition and were concerned about them. That's a big deal. We're going to get to a great application. The application here is juicy, but we'll get to it in just a second. Next, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus all served and suffered for the sake of the gospel. They all served and they all suffered. There's application there. Because they served, they are worthy of our respect and our honor, and someday they'll be exalted for it. Cool little 11 passages about this embodiment or this personification of humility, sacrifice, obedience, humility, all of those things. So let's look at these applications. Care for others in the body. Check on them. Pray for them. Be genuinely concerned for their welfare. Because I'll tell you, it's pretty cool when people pray for you, when they care for you, and when they're genuinely concerned for your welfare. There is there's power in that, by the way. Be obedient to God and those in authority. Humble in word and action and faithful towards the mission. Buy in. Buy into the purpose. Engage. Become a disciple. Sacrifice your time, effort, will, energy, and emotion for God's will and not for your will. And you'll be exalted someday. Put on a mindset of humility and unify around the mission of proclaiming the gospel. Has the idea of what we just talked about, but that is something in this passage. Contribute in the body by being a to someone, and by being a Timothy to someone. If you, there's people, I mean, I've told this story before, but sometimes all it takes is humble effort. Just ask somebody, hey, were you disciple me? Or ask somebody, you have anybody that's discipling you? And it doesn't have to be the same person all through your life. It can be for a time. But we need those people. Contribute that way. Buy into the mission and purpose of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about that. Faithfully serve Jesus in obedience to His will, just like Epaphroditus and Timothy and Paul. Here's a big one. Be a person whose actions support their words. A person of integrity. What if it said in the book of heaven, I know of her proven worth, that she served with me in the forgiveness of the gospel? If so, there's an exaltation and reward in that. Know what other people are going through in the body. You can't do this without knowing them. You can't do it. you got to know what the, who they are. you got to know what they're going through. you got to know what they're doing. you got to know what they're up against. And if you do, then you can engage with them. You can participate in fellowship. You can help them. You can pray for them. You can bear their burdens. Whatever it is. Appropriately share what is going on with you. Because I'm bad at that one. I inappropriately share what is going on with me often. <laughs> I just want everybody's help, so appropriately share what's going on with you. And there is, and I, all joking aside, there is wisdom and discretion about how you go about doing. There it is. Realize here's a big one: realize that people care for you. They do. Uh, if I didn't care for you, I wouldn't put time and effort into this. I don't care if any... I'm not getting anything out of this. (laughs) But I put time and effort into it because I love you. And I love this body. And it's my attempt at buying in. There are people in this body and people even on staff that if they weren't getting paid, they'd be doing what they're doing. I promise you if J.B. didn't make a dime, he'd be teaching as many times as he could. That's them loving you. That's them caring about you appropriately respect and honor those who faithfully serve Jesus Christ. Hold them in high regard. Because of what they're doing. Not because of how good they are at it. Not because of what they look like. Not because of what they dress like. Not because they're skilled. Not because they're talented. Not because they have abilities. But because of their faithfulness. That's what we hold people in high regard for. And when we culturalize that as a body, our kids see it. And they start to be faithful. Because that's what mom and dad value. So let's do that. For the test, there wasn't a great verse in here to memorize. that didn't seem like it out of context. It dealt directly with Epaphroditus or Timothy. So do Romans 12.1. It's the same idea. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Use your body as a living sacrifice. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service and worship. Be able to discuss the themes of Philippians that Paul highlights in Timothy and Paphaginus. So, all you have to do is go look at the themes. In each one of these things, look at your established themes. These are what your questions are going to be about next week. And they're all in your sheet. And then, in the same vein, be able to match the applications. So, go look at each one of these verses' applications. We're going to do a little matchy matchy. You'll match the application with the verse. Okay? Because that's the point. The whole goal of the knowledge is application, so let's know where to go and see it. And if you want to, I know I didn't do all these theme references right. I'm like, oh my gosh, every single one of these themes is participation, fellowship, obedience, sacrifice, humility, and unity. So it's pretty much the same verses. but go back and see if you can find something I missed. Because I think it's important when you read the Word of God, you pick up what the author's putting down. You take it in context, and you look and see so that we can have those cool discussions. Do you think Epaphroditus was held in low regard by the Philippians? Or do you think that there's more to it? I don't know. I see that in the themes, there's some humility and some exaltation going on. And I think Paul's emulating what happens when you're humble. But that's really cool stuff to think about.
0: Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.